Welcome to the Female Photographer Podcast. I'm your host, Maria Eves, and I started this podcast to help uplift and inspire female photographers just like you with a weekly chat to share insights about photography from other women who just get you. Okay, so today we are here with Maggie Dion, who I recently met at a live event, BBD Live. We just happened to bump into each other um, in the line and we instantly connected um, and we were talking about how sometimes as a, as a mother, um, you can just get stuck in that whole hamster wheel of being a good mom and getting all the things done on your to-do list every day. And sometimes you forget to do the things that make you you and that you used to love doing. And you just feel like you don't have time for them anymore. And you just feel kind of like maybe you've lost your purpose or uh, you just don't feel like yourself anymore. So Maggie has a wealth of knowledge. I'm sure she'll tell you all about um, what she is an expert in. But um, yeah, photography helped me um, get off that hamster wheel of life. Once I finally gave myself permission to go and do something for myself and made it a priority, I actually um, started feeling more like myself after having kids and started getting some more joy back in my life. So we'll talk about all that and and more today. But today we're going to dive deeper into how you can live a happier and healthier life and how photography can be a part of that transformation. So welcome Maggie. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. And if you could just start by telling us a bit about um, your experience and how you help women. Yes, well, thank you so much for having me. It is honestly uh, an honor and a pleasure to be joining you. Um, I feel like there is such a need to have this open conversation around not losing ourselves in motherhood and sacrificing um, all that is related to our health and wellness and our personal identity. Um, you know, if you were a photographer and that was your passion or that was your career and you sacrifice that, you lose some of yourself and some of your joy and happiness and your overall health and well-being. Um, so I started out uh, probably back in 2015 as a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. Uh, and so essentially that is a combination of health coaching with functional lab testing. So I was able to run testing to help people get to the root cause of their symptoms and imbalances. And in doing that, I would create a holistic protocol to help them heal um, the actual reason they weren't feeling like themselves. Um, and I found in my practice, I was working with clients one-on-one, -on -one, I found over and over again that even though we were doing a lot of the physical healing, that there was a piece missing. And it was the mental emotional component of your overall health and well-being. And that's where I reinvested uh, in um, education and became a neurolinguistic programming um, practitioner. And I trained in quantum time technique and hypnosis and NLP life coaching. All of that to say, 
that education and background is minor in comparison to what I learned in the crash course that is becoming a mom. I currently am a mom to a three and a half year old and a one and a half year old. And they are the biggest mirrors to myself in terms of my good qualities and my not so great qualities. And I found myself in this self-sacrificing wheel, like just like you mentioned. And I'm just giving and giving and giving. And despite my background in functional medicine, and I was still making an effort to, you know, eat clean and exercise and take all the right supplements and get to sleep on time and manage my stress to an extent, I found myself getting to this place of almost burnout and resentment. And I had to go back to my toolbox and really figure out, like, what is going on? Why am I snappier than usual? Why am I, you know, stressed out to the point of just being like paralyzed when I look at my massive to-do list? And I realized it's because I have given so much of myself that I had lost myself in motherhood and lived into that, you know, saying of motherhood and being a mom is the hardest job in the world. So when things were hard, I was like, oh, well, that's expected. This is just part of the job description. And it wasn't until I really had to pause and reflect on like, what do I want with my life? Do I want to just be getting through a tough phase or do I want to actually be enjoying motherhood? And looking back when my kids were toddlers and being like, oh, that was such a blast rather than, oh man, that was a really tough phase of life. And obviously I wanted to be present and enjoy it. And that's where I reinvested in my toolkit and created the life that I wanted the vision that I had as a mother and in doing so I started having all of my friends and family and you know followers and prior clients being like what's the secret what are you doing and there is no secret there is no quick fix and that's a lot of what I want to share with you guys today is kind of the the steps to get you to the place where you can create the happy lifestyle and be the vision you want of motherhood so for me that was being a calm kind patient and present mom and it's so easy to just when you become a mother to just you know get into that whole you know you've you get into the routine you're looking after the kids and before you know it you're a totally different person you're not doing any of the things that you used to do you're stressed out and you're wondering why um so maybe you could tell us some of the tricks that you use or the process that you use to just help yourself um, live a happier life and, and get back to some of those things that you used to do and some of the challenges in, in doing that as well. Absolutely. So for me, I realized I had gotten into this kind of autopilot. You know, you wake up, you do the same things every single day, you take care of the kids, you know, you make sure they're all set, whether they're, they, you know, they've got their meals, they've got their clothes on, they're ready to go to the play date, and you're just going and going and going and just constantly thinking about the next thing and moving the family forward and just that momentum of the day forward. And I had to stop when I started having some symptoms myself start to bubble up. And I was like, I can't let this little kind of voice in the back of my head like, hey, something's wrong. Like there's an imbalance that needs to be addressed. And if we don't fix it, 
bigger and worse things are going to to be activated and turn on. Um, so for me, I went back to my you know training within the functional functional diagnostic nutrition and the uh, neuro linguistic programming, and I just had this aha moment where I realized, you know, if I don't make my health a top priority, my ability to help and serve my family is very limited. And it just kind of has a snowball effect. So for me, a, a shocking stat that really just grounds me and is kind of my like driving force, not only for me putting my health in the forefront, but also sharing this information with fellow moms um, is the fact that in the United States, 80% of the people diagnosed with an autoimmune disease are women. That is 6.8 million women in the United States with an autoimmune disease. And the average age for these women is 35 years old. So if you think about the season of life, a lot of 35-year-olds, this is the child-rearing years where they are putting themselves on the back burner and pouring themselves into motherhood and to their children and their family and everybody else's needs before their own. And another staggering statistic is 78% of moms put off taking care of their own health because they're too busy looking after their loved ones. And so when you kind of start putting these pieces together, it's not surprising that women are the ones, you know, getting impacted by autoimmune diseases. Because autoimmune diseases are caused by three main functions. Your genetics, which honestly is the smallest component of your ability to turn on or activate an autoimmune disease. Then it's hormones, specifically hormone shifts. So if you think about the huge hormone shifts between pregnancy into the birthing process, into the postpartum phase. That's a massive amount of hormone fluctuation. And then we've got stress. And in my opinion, stress is the number one indicator here. And that's where my personal experience, where I was starting to get burnt out, I was starting to realize that I was in this constant going and doing mode always. I was like, I'm on the fast track to getting an autoimmune disease. And sure enough, I turned one on. So that's when I was like, all right, I had this information, but I wasn't doing anything with the information I had. I wasn't leveraging the tools, the resources, all of my background. And I just became another one of those stats. So that's when I was like, all right, this ends here. It ends with me and I need to be at the forefront of supporting other women so that they don't have to sit in my seat. They don't have to wait for the big, scary diagnosis to actually take action. So that's where... I'm out here trying to encourage women to proactively listen to their bodies and respond to whatever the body is telling them with an activity that helps them feel fulfilled and rested and renewed and rejuvenated and feel like themselves and feel like a priority in their own lives. And that way we can break this cycle of autoimmune diseases and any and all, um, you know, big and scary diagnosis solely because we're moms. Because that just seems silly that we're sacrificing ourselves for any and everybody else besides ourselves. And that was a big thing that helped me lower my stress levels was just getting out and being myself, taking some time out to just get away by myself, um, 
get away from all the busyness and everything else in my life that was cluttering up my brain and just go and do some photography and I, I myself was I was so busy um, at work being an Air Force photographer looking after my kids like yeah being a mum, like looking after the house just felt like I had so many things on and I started getting sick all the time with things that I didn't think I should be getting at my age I mean I was like 34 and I was getting shingles and um my doctors told me I had psoriasis and I was like okay something here has to change because my body is telling me that this is too much and photography like just getting away with my camera by myself and just being me again really helped me um personally with deal with my stress and I mean it can be hard right to give yourself permission to go and do that um, when maybe you're the one who is the primary caregiver for your kids or someone else or you don't feel like you deserve um, to, to go away and do something selfish when maybe your husband works really hard and, and you don't want to put that pressure on him. But it is so, in my opinion, it is so important for your health to give yourself that time to just get back to doing things that you love. Yeah, I could not agree more with with all of that. Like it is so critical for you to be a priority in your own life. And that's sounds like an obvious statement, but it's also so profound. Like if you're just constantly giving and, you know, trying to think of the needs of your kids or your spouse and just think oh, they work really hard. So like it, I, I have no place asking for time to do my own passion projects. And all the, the stories that we have behind that, thinking no good mom would leave their kid for two to three hours so that I can go, you know, take a walk on the beach and get some fresh air and take some pictures and, you know, just get a break. And we feel selfish for asking for a break. And... It isn't until you really start that self-reflection of why do I have these thoughts and limiting beliefs and where are they coming from and what do I want instead and what do my kids want instead? Do they want, you know, an overworked mom who is stressed about just carrying the mental load of motherhood or caring for them and caring for the house and caring for the spouse and themselves and all of the things or does your kid want a happy, calm mom who knows who she is, who can demonstrate to the kids how to verbalize what they want and what they need, and then to actually take that? And if your need is to take a break and pour yourself into photography and just have a moment of silence to yourself, then take it because your kids want you happy. They want you healthy. They don't want you crowd and snapping at them. And constantly focusing on the to-do list and not on just being present and being an actual participating member of the family, not part of like the working staff. Mm. And even if you only have like five or 10 minutes in your day, right? Like that is still worthwhile to like get out and just do something that you enjoy, something that you love or connect with something that you used to do. Very much so. I think there's this common misconception that self-care or pouring into your own cup 
needs or requires a lot of time. And that's actually one of the the pitfalls that I fell into early on in motherhood in that I was an athlete my entire life and I wanted to work out. Like That was going to be my form of self-care. That was going to be my form of me feeling like me. And in preparation, I was like, okay, so I need to make sure my youngest one was nursed before I went and then I needed to make dinner for my family. I needed it for my husband and for my oldest. And then I need hour and a half so the 15 minutes to drive there and a full hour to work out and then the 15 minutes to get back to my house and my form of stress relief and feeling like me ended up being a form of stress in itself and in my mind I was like oh well then I just don't need to do it like I'm just I'm done and I started making excuses for me not to work out and for me not to do the things that made me feel like me And in hindsight, it was a very challenging approach to me just figuring out self-care doesn't have to be this huge ta-da. I don't have to find childcare and I don't have to have this full hour and a half. I could just squeak in, you know, five minutes here. I can do different uh, tools while my kids were actually physically present with me. So not only am I getting the benefit of these parasympathetic tools, but so are my kids and they're learning from me I'm modeling to them hey this is how you make yourself a priority in your life this is how you make your health a priority this is how you balance your nervous system um and I'm kind of using some of these buzzwords so maybe I should back up um but your central nervous system is the system in your body that regulates how you feel it is essentially your state of how you show up in the world and you've got your autonomic nervous system and your central nervous system. And your central nervous system is more of that emotional component, whereas your autonomic nervous system, that just happens, hence autonomic. So things like your hair growing, and if you get a cut on your finger, you're not thinking like, hmm, let me sit here and build a scab. Like, it just happens. That's the autonomic or automatic aspect of the autonomic nervous system. On the flip side, you have a central nervous system, and that is split into two where you've got your sympathetic and your parasympathetic. And when you think sympathetic, think fight or flight. This is where your primal responses are coming into play. Your body thinks you're being chased by a bear. It doesn't think that you're stressed about hitting the work deadline. It doesn't think that you're stressed about getting the dinner on the table by a certain time so that it doesn't push bedtime back too much and your kids are staring at you at 9 o'clock at night. It's how your body survives when you're in the in a state of danger. And we don't want to spend a lot of time in that state. If you are being chased by a bear, it'd be great for you to be in that state. If you are stuck in traffic, not so much. However, we want to spend the majority of our time in the parasympathetic state. This is your rest, digest, and maintenance zone. This is where we want to spend the vast majority of your time. So you'll hear me over and over again talking about parasympathetic tools or stress reduction. I am trying to provide tips and tools to get you in that relaxed state where your body is optimized and your health is going to be prioritized from a maintenance perspective, not from fighting fires. So when we're stressed, our body is producing cortisol. And this is a hormone that is helpful when you're running from that bear, 
but it's not helpful on a day-to-day basis. So it has a lot of health implications, whether it's impacting your adrenals, whether it's impacting your heart rate or your overall cardiovascular health, it's going to impact your weight and your body's ability to regulate your weight rather than packing on pounds um, and just holding on to it. Uh, I could, I can right now, and I have in the past, uh, given full conversations about the impact of stress on your body. But I really today want to focus more on giving actionable, quick, short tips on how to integrate some of these parasympathetic practices into your day-to-day. As a mom who's already busy, I'm not going to sit here and say, all right, here's, you know, five hours of, you know, action items that you should be doing on a weekly basis because you're just going to hit delete. (laughs) Like, I don't have time for that. I want to be able to help you on a day-to-day basis uh, make that calm, cool, collected feeling in the parasympathetic state, your regular state of being, your kind of home base, if you will. If there is a threat to your life, yes, definitely jump over to the sympathetic, but we want to spend the majority of our time in that resting and digesting calm. So what are some tips that you have for someone who has just realized like, oh my gosh, that is me. Like I am that mom or even that, you know, just maybe you might not be a mom, but you're just like a really busy person who works a lot and you just realize that you've been stuck in this whole hamster wheel of life and you've forgotten to do all the things you love and you're stressed out. Like what are some tips and where should someone like that start if they've just realized like, oh my gosh, that is me and what do I do about it? Yes. Oh, such a great question. So the hardest part of slowing down and making yourself a priority is acknowledging and having the awareness that you need to slow down and make yourself a priority. So that step right there is probably the hardest one. So I actually have a five-step kind of process, if you will, to really help people get that sense of awareness and then know what to do afterwards to make sure that they're regulating their nervous system. So the first one is just a general awareness of your mental state. This is how you operate and how you respond. So when you're really trying to investigate how you operate, you want to be asking yourself, what is your strategy to get through the day? You know, are you somebody who's trying to do it all? Do you measure your success and your worth based off of how much you accomplish that day? Your productivity is equal to your worth. Are you somebody who's self-sacrificing and constantly putting others in front of you, even if it's your kids? Because I think it's a natural instinct to want to help your kids, to want to make sure you're setting them up for success and give them this great life. And it could be coming at the expense of your own health. Um, You know, are you even beyond that point? Like, are you overwhelmed and paralyzed by your to-do list because there's just so much to do and you're overstimulated and burnt out? Um, You know, it can be at the point where you're starting to feel resentful, especially to your spouse or your partner, because if you are the primary caregiver or if you're the the female, I think it's just a natural phenomenon where even if you've got both adults in in the family working, the, the mom is going to be the default parent. You're going to be the default primary parent responsible for supporting and getting the kids ready and getting them out the door and getting the meals and setting up play dates and all of the things. So 
making sure you're questioning how are you operating and then how are you responding? So this is where you start to investigate, like, are you overwhelmed? Are you stressed? Are you triggered? And what do you do in those moments? Are you shutting down and backing up and just closing off? Are you rage cleaning? And I throw rage cleaning on this list because, hi, self-proclaimed rage cleaner. Like, I feel like if my, I, I haven't verbalized this to my husband. I don't know if he's actually, like, put the pieces together. But if I'm viciously cleaning the house, putting everything together, and like, I'm a tornado of destruction, and if you are slowing me down, watch out. That's because I'm overwhelmed and overstimulated, and I'm being triggered. When someone else might see that and be like, oh, she's cleaning. That's nice. That needed to be picked up. <laughs> Like, you know, so you in- internally have to realize, like, what is my strategy? Um, and, you know, if you're not rage cleaning, maybe you're self-medicating. And I'm not saying self-medicating in, this, in the sense of, like, actually taking medications. I'm saying, are you reaching for carbs? And are you reaching for sugar and things like that, a caffeine? If you're constantly hitting, you know, Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks or whatever your local coffee house just to get that extra boost to get through your day? Or are you someone who's wind, winding down every day with wine? That's self-medication. <laughs> you are in very good company. And I, I have found that like when I'm talking to women and just sharing either my experience or if I am, you know, just kind of going off the cuff and talking um, just all the different stories I've heard from clients and friends. Everyone's like, yeah, me too. Me too. Motherhood is a shared experience. And you might feel guilty if you're someone who's yelling or snapping at your kids, but it's shared. Like that is not a unique experience to you, especially if you start to go through this process and try to gain this awareness and be like, you know what? Before kids, I never yelled literally ever. And I say this because that was my experience. And then I found myself after asking, you know, get your shoes on for the fifth time. We've got to go. We're going to be late. When I started to realize, okay, that's not me. Where is this coming from? And it, part of it was conditioning and part of it was just this accumulation of overwhelm and constant going and doing and self-sacrificing. So that brings me to what I consider kind of level two or step two, if you will, uh, is sharing your experience. Like let out your truth, speak your truth, and just release that pressure. Because I think we get so caught up in that autopilot, go, 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 getting through the day with the self-medication, getting through just by the skin of our teeth and just feeling like it's a hamster wheel, I gotta go. Like If I stop, who's gonna do it? And when we start to have conversations with fellow moms, whether it is your mom or your sister or your best friend or some lady who's sitting on a park bench next to you while you watch your kids on the playground, we're all in this together. It's a shared experience. And when you start to release that pressure, you start to feel better. When you talk about what you're worried about or what you're stressed about, things that make you feel guilty, things that upset you, you realize that it's really common and it's a shared experience. And when you start to feel heard and you start to feel understood, you realize you're not alone in this and you're less likely just to blow up. Like I think the therapy of chatting with your girlfriends far exceeds paying a professional because you realize you're not crazy. Like this is like common knowledge, but no one talks about it. 
because I'm a little bit embarrassed. I'm sitting over here like, oh no, you can look at my social media of my beautifully curated kids and their perfect outfits, apple picking in the fall or playing on the beach in the summer. I'm not going to show you me blowing up as I'm trying to get them out the door or my kids throwing a tantrum in the grocery store. So when that is your experience, you're like, oh my gosh, like I got terrible kids and I'm a, I'm a nut house. No, that's common. It is normal for your kids to throw tantrums and it's not unusual for you then to get upset in those moments and then feel guilty about it. So that's where it's really, really important to start what I call resourcing up. So that's kind of what brings us to our third step of my process. So step one is just having the awareness of how you operate. Two is voicing your experience and sharing your truth. Step three is identifying your emotions. Now that you start to realize, all right, I'm not crazy, but I do have some work to do. Now we want to talk about what are your emotions? What are you feeling? And we want to go beyond what I call the primary colors of emotion. So this is, I feel happy or mad or sad. And then I feel happy. I feel mad. I feel sad. And you just run around circle with these really basic words, these basic adjectives to describe how you're feeling. And I think it stunts our ability to actually tap into what we're experiencing. So I want you to go beyond the primary emotions and practice doing so. So one of the tools that I love and I use it myself, I use it with my kids, a lot of my clients, it's called a color wheel. Uh, and so what it is, is this giant pie. And if anyone's looking at the video, I can kind of hold it up um, and show, but it is a giant pie. And in the center, it breaks it down into six sections. So disgust, joy, genius, anger, sad, and fear. But when you go into joy, it has themes like being grateful and belonging and loved and feeling kindness and proud and caring and feeling acceptance. These are all positive words that you can associate with joy. But if you're just saying, I'm happy, you're missing that full spectrum. And the same thing goes for anger or all of the different emotions. So when we start to practice identifying this bigger spectrum, we can really get a better sense of what is going on internally. So anybody who's not looking at the video, um, feel free to message me. I am more than happy to um, share some of these resources that I'm calling out. Um, I think at the end of the podcast, we can uh, chat Instagram handles and how to connect with me. So that is one of my big tips is a color wheel where you just start by practicing. Pause three times a day and just tune into how you feel and challenge yourself to go past that happy, mad, sad. Get into the weeds, like really start thinking, like, how do I actually feel? Because once we identify your emotions, and then we can move on to step four or identifying where you feel your emotions. So, for example, if you're anxious or frustrated, where are you feeling that? I'm feeling it in your chest. Is it tight? Do you have a racing heart rate? Or if you're stressed, like, do you feel it in your, your traps behind your shoulders or are you feeling any sort of muscle tension? You feel it in your jaw. Like where do you actually feel your emotions? Because then we are able to connect that mind-body experience. And like I mentioned when we first started chatting, like the physical experience can only get you so far. And if you don't know the root cause of that physical experience, then you can't actually fix it. So maybe I feel that tension in my shoulders from the, from the stress. If I feel a tension, maybe I'm taking a pain reliever or a muscle relaxer. 
or I'm trying to put some sort of topical cream on it. It's not going to fix the fact that you're stressed. So we really need to get into the practice of realizing that our physical body is the same body as our mental and emotional body. We are one being and our experience as humans is completely tied together. And if we are just rushing through our day and not pausing to think like, how do I feel? Like what's going on in my body? Then we can't actually address that root cause and what's actually stressing us out and what's actually giving us the anxiety or that quick, the quick snappiness with your kids or this feeling of being lost or like just drowning in motherhood because you don't even know who you are and what's going on and how to stop this train that's like full steam ahead. So it's just an amazing experience and it's life-changing when you start to put those pieces together because then you get to the magic and the magic is the last step. And that is figuring out what do I need right now? This is emotional processing, but in a healthy way. It's not releasing the anger by yelling at your kids or thinking negative thoughts to yourself. Like, oh man, like I just snapped up the kids again. Like I'm a bad mom. <laughs> like I'm not cut out for this. It's not that you're not cut out for this. You just need emotional support and you just need to be in a place where you can slow down and tune into your body and be like, okay, like what do I need? And it's going to change depending on where you are and depending on the person. So this is where I encourage you to get your toolbox and have a list of activating activities that are things like working out and dancing and shaking it out and jumping and screaming into a pillow or throwing that pillow against the wall or even just ripping paper. These are all harmless things to move energy. So if you're livid, go activating. But if you're like livid and someone's like, take a deep breath, you might throw something at them instead. <laughs> it's just infuriating when someone calmed down when you, you don't feel hurt. You don't feel like your experience is being acknowledged and understood. And this is a practice of you learning how to acknowledge how you're feeling, identifying what you need, and giving it to yourself. This is a self-reflection, an inward process that's not externally reliant. You're not hoping your husband realizes that you're rage cleaning. And then he's like, oh, what's going on? Like, I see you're, you're being super diligent and very quick with this cleaning process. <laughs> like, they're not going to say that. And you sitting there hoping they pick up on it is not fair to them and it's not fair to you because they're not mind readers and then you're not getting your needs, your needs met. So that's where we just need to have this toolbox. And the other side of the house is the deactivating. So this is things like deep breathing and meditation and affirmations and doing visualizations and just tapping or doing what I call legs up the wall. It's one of my favorite parasympathetic tools ever. It's very, very simple. You get your bum, you scoot it as close to the wall as humanly possible, and you put your legs up. It puts 1.5 liters of blood into circulation that otherwise wouldn't have been there. And it helps wow. bring it back down immediately. It's like my absolute favorite. I have taught my three-year-old, my one-year-old knows how to do it. If my one-year-old sitting next to the, the wall saying, help, help, it's because she wants me to grab her little legs and throw them up there for her because she doesn't have the ability to get into the position. But these, these tools are life-changing. And it, it is just a simple practice of figuring out how you feel, why you're acting the way you're acting, and what can I do in the moment to fix it? And 
It can be a quick one-minute breathing exercise. It can be a longer break, something like going to the, the nail salon or going to work out or going out into nature and just taking pictures or going to your favorite spot and taking pictures or even just going out and just witnessing adults interacting in public. Like for me, that was just... Like I felt like when I became a parent, the world should have stopped. And then when I got these glimpses of like people at cafes and they're interacting and their lives are going on, I just remember being like, wow, that's beautiful. And I just need to capture this. Like it's just a matter of listening to what you actually need and getting clear on that. Because when you are just in this rat race of just going and going and going, sometimes it's you, we forget. Just to pause and be like, how do I feel right now? What do I need right now? Yeah, and I I guess for me, I've accidentally um, built up a small toolbox. Um, and now that I've spoken to you, I'm sure I can think of more things to put in my toolbox. But yeah, a lot of them for me were photography, um, going away for a weekend on my own, like I've spoken about. Um, or even if I'm like triggered in the moment and I know that like I'm so angry that if anyone talks to me, if my husband is there, I'll just grab my camera and luckily I live across the road from the beach. I'll just walk down to the beach until like I've calmed down <laughs> and I can come back and I've found that is super helpful. Um, and then, yeah, it, it stops any fights happening or anyone getting upset. Um, and I can come back all nice and calm and be like, okay, let's start that again. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that is perfect. Because just getting clear on what makes you feel calm is half the battle. Because everybody's completely different. And what works for you might not work for somebody else. But with photography being your passion projects, like the world is beautiful around you. And I think... It can even challenge you to find that beauty. If you're in that quick pace, trying to keep up chase toddler phase, just going outside in your own yard with your camera and being like, what's beautiful right now? Like, what is drawing me in? How can I play with light? Like, How can I make this certain snapshot different and unique? And it allows you to be creative. It allows you just to take a moment of just silence but it also doesn't have to be silent. Your kids can come out in your backyard too. And that's where finding ways to integrate your passions and what makes you feel calm and what makes you feel like you can merge with being a mom. It's not these two separate entities where I'm a mom and I'm also a photographer or I'm also a business owner. You can just be you and just merge these lives together and find the symbiotic place where all parts of you had their needs met and I think once you get to that place you just become you like you find this peace in being who you actually are and you don't have mom you fighting against photographer you fighting against business you and they're all fighting for the same resources there's only 24 hours in a day and so if you're trying to operate these from three mutually exclusive places, one of those three individuals is going to be very upset because they're not going to get their needs met. And so I feel like that's where 
knowing what you need and what specifically for you makes you feel calm and makes you live into that vision that you have. So for me, as I mentioned earlier, like for me, it's being kind, calm, and patient. That is who I was prior to kids, and that's who I want to continue to be. And I need to actively do things that support me feeling like me and feeling like I have some control over how I'm showing up in my day. And it's important to realize that just because somebody says something is calming or something is a means of self-care doesn't mean it works for you. And that's why I keep emphasizing the you part throughout this entire conversation. Uh, from personal experience, like when I first started doing adult coloring, I hated it, literally hated it because the pictures were so, so tiny and minuscule and it almost made me more aggravated than it did calm. So I stepped away from it and I recommended it still to clients because I knew it had calming effects and it was indeed a parasympathetic tool but it wasn't until I started getting on the floor with my kids with these massive coloring books that I, when I was coloring with them I was like this really is nice well, that's because there's you know each little section of a bear's head was like the size of a softball it wasn't the size of the pin like the little pin drop um so that was just an experience for me where I realized I just needed to find the tools that worked for me and then modify them in a way that actually felt good to me. Um, and I think that's um, just a self-investigation process where maybe it is photography, but it could be working out or spending time with friends or it can be self-care where you are leaving the house to go for a massage or you're leaving to go to a yoga class or even just to hang out by yourself at a coffee shop and just to work a little bit. Maybe you're editing pictures in silence at a coffee shop. That might be for you the most delicious afternoon where maybe 10 years ago, that was work. So really just kind of listening to your body and tuning into like what makes you feel good now and not necessarily listening to the rule book that drove your life 10 years ago or listening to the rule book and all of the shoulds that society is giving you right now. If it feels good to you, go for it. Be able to be an active participant in your life and create the life that you want. Because once you start leaning into that, when you lean into how do I feel? How am I operating? How am I responding right now? And based off the way I'm feeling and responding, what do I need? And that need is going to be unique to you. And it might even be unique to that day, into that moment. And sometimes you want those activating tools where you're releasing this energy. And other times you want to be curled up, just drinking a cup of tea. And it could be by yourself. Or if childcare doesn't allow for that, you can set them up with a toy. And then you can go sit in silence and just drink your cup of tea. So it's just a matter of getting clear on what you want. And then verbalizing what you want and need and doing your best to make it happen. If it's something that requires some forethought in terms of childcare or it's a lengthier um, request, even simply verbalizing to a spouse or to a, care a, a fellow caretaker, hey, I need a break. I'm feeling snappy. And this weekend, can I please 
have three hours to go to the park and just take pictures. And even though that's not happening right now, knowing it's going to happen in three days, that can be just enough to take the edge off and for you just to calm down. And it's going to take practice, right? Like right now you might be in this self-sacrificing cycle. So you might not be good at saying like, hey, so like I'm kind of stressed out right now. Eventually you'll be like, all right, this is what's up. I need this weekend. I need some time for me. And you'll get better and you'll practice. And you'll start to realize that when you do take that time, you come back completely rejuvenated. You're energized. You're you're ready to be present with your family. And you feel happy. You feel like you. You feel calm. And you're going to start to realize it's not selfish. That it's needed time. And it benefits not just you, but it benefits your entire family. Your kids, your significant other. Everyone benefits from you taking a break and going out and taking some pictures and just feeling like you again. It's like what they say um, when you're flying, right? Like you've got to put your own mask on before you help any children. Uh, it's so true. Uh, yeah. That you can't be the best parent in the world if you are stressed out and not looking after yourself. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. I, and I feel like those are one of those, those kind of cliches or phrases that's like universally known. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it. Put your mask on before, you know, you help help someone else or fill your own cup because you can't pour from an empty cup we all hear it we understand what it means it's a completely different thing to understand it than in putting it into action when you start to put into action the practice of making yourself a priority making not just your physical health but your mental health and your emotional health a priority it's going to completely change how you show up as a mom on a day-to-day basis and the magic is when you take that time to fill your cup to put your own oxygen mask on first you're demonstrating to your kids you're demonstrating to your whole family how to listen to your body listen to your emotions check in with what you need and then how to verbalize and ask for that And you'll actually start to realize that you're kind of closing this loop of your kids throwing a tantrum so you get triggered and then you snap at them so then they're in a snappier mood and the whole family just runs in this circle. But if if you're triggered and you're consciously like, all right, I need a break. I need some me time. I need to relax. I need to pull out some sympathetic tools, whether it's legs up the wall or breathing or coloring or journaling or reading or tapping or whatever you need then you feel calm and then you're going to transmit that calmness back to your family and then they're going to start to take note of like all right well every time mom is you know clearly on edge then she takes some time for herself so maybe when i'm feeling emotional and out of control my emotions just feel overwhelming maybe i should take some time out of myself and you can help coach them you can give you know child appropriate versions of what you're doing so if you get frustrated and you lean into deep breathing you can show a toddler how to deep breathe by literally pretending to like blow bubbles where you kind of put them in a little jar and you go that's deep breathing 
or you can put soap in, if they're a little bit older maybe like four or five-ish then i can drink it you can put soap in water give them a straw and tell them to blow bubbles and see how big of a bubble mountain they can make with it your kid's having fun but they're also getting regulated you're supporting their nervous system just like you would if you were deep breathing so it's really kind of a a practice that just has this escalating benefit if you can be calm in the chaos then you're teaching your kids to do the same and then they're going to be less likely to trigger you and then the whole family dynamic just completely changes which is such a, a magical thing to see oh yeah and I, I wish like i i feel like i finally got to the point where i've learned a lot of the things that you've said now i've definitely learned so much more from you too but Going back to your first step, like I didn't even realize um, what was going on and that I was stressed out. Like I thought it would be obvious if I was stressed out. Um, and like I, I got shingles like when we kind of almost first went into lockdown. I actually loved lockdown. I was like, this is great. Like I'm, I was still getting paid because um, in the military we just like, did as much as we could from home, still got paid. Uh, I felt like I was living the, the good life. And then I got shingles and I was like, shingles comes on from stress. Like, why am I, why am I stressed? I don't think I'm stressed. And it, it took that for me to realize, like, actually, hang on a minute. I am stressed and something here needs to change. Yeah, I mean, you're in good company because I think when people think stress, they're looking for this massive catastrophic event, you know, being fired from your job or losing your house and becoming homeless or getting a divorce, like having a big medical event. Like we're, we're looking for this big thing. Like we think like, yes, I'm stressed because I lost my parent and it was a tragic un unforeseen event. But it's not just those big traumas. It's the small day to day. It's the, all right, I got to wake up by this time so that I can make sure that I can make the coffee. And then I have to make breakfast for the kids, pack lunch for the kids, get out the door by a certain time. So I got to make sure the kids have got all their clothes and pack their backpacks and get out of the house and then get in the car. And if I'm not in the car by 730, then I'm going to show up late for drop off at school. And then I'm going to be late for my first meeting when we get to the, the you know, get to the office. And then when I get to the office, I need to make sure I send out this email and do this task and get this out of the, you know, work on this project. And then I got to get out of the office by five o'clock so I can get home, pick up the kids, go to the grocery store, come home, cook the dinner. And I, I, I'm losing my breath just trying to say all these things. But I, I just, it's normal, right? Yeah. I just got to say, like, wow, what a crazy out of, out of control, unusual day. That's just life. And yeah. it's that constant going, that constant doing that puts us into this state of stress and we don't realize it. And I love your, your, your comment about enjoying the shutdown because I kept working. I kept seeing clients one-on-one -on -one and I had the most amazing client transformations during the shutdown. You should see my testimonies. They're incredible. Complete overhauls of their overall health and wellness. Their physical markers on their labs changed. Their perception on life. People were quitting their jobs. They were just making massive changes. And people kept being like, what are you doing? What's your secret? And I was like, the shutdown slowed people down. 
It was an opportunity to reassess what you do on a daily basis. It broke the schedule. It broke the subconscious, like, I do this, and then I do that, and then I do this. And people started to realize, like, oh, I don't actually like doing that, and that doesn't actually make me feel good, and that doesn't make me feel fulfilled. And people started to take control of their lives. And then in doing so, they took control of their health. And it's one of those things that sounds obvious, but it's also profound. The idea that the way you live your life is the way you live your life. What I am doing on a day-to-day basis is how I'm living my life. So what I did today is a reflection of my entire life. Granted, there's obviously, you know, one-offs and outliers in terms of your your day-to-day. But I can tell you that consistently, I wake up an hour before my kids wake up so that I can ease into my day. And I start with somatic exercises, which makes which makes stretching look intense. If you're not familiar with somatic exercises, they're extremely relaxing and they're designed to help release emotions and trauma. And then I take some time and I figure out what I need that day. Sometimes I listen to affirmations. Sometimes I'm listening to visualizations. Sometimes I just sit there and read or I make my coffee early and just enjoy it on a couch and just look out the window and watch the sunrise. And after I've kind of set my day up and listened to what I need to make me feel calm, cool, and collected, then I wake the kids up and I make them breakfast and I pack the lunches and the backpacks and then I casually get them out of the house. And by doing that, there's this level of ease and just calmness. Even though I had the exact same number of things to do in that morning routine from when the kids wake up to when I get them off the door for school, It's a completely different energy. The energy I'm putting into that is different because I consciously got up early, made time for me, and then I showed up completely different. And that goes throughout my entire day. And it's not one of those things where, I oh, I only do it in the morning and then I'm good the rest of the day. You need to balance the proactive setting yourself up and doing these tools ahead of time to create that parasympathetic state, but then also integrating it throughout your day. If you feel yourself in a meeting starting to have a faster heart rate, do some deep breathing. It's inconspicuous. No one realizes what you're doing. Because no one's going to call you out and be like, are you breathing again? Like, we're not here. There's a lot of tools you can do that no one notices. You can do them out in public. You don't have to have this big ordeal. You don't have to do my my power hour in the morning in the middle of your afternoon. You can do some tapping in your car every time you're at a stoplight where you literally just tap on your forehead or side of your eye. Um, and there's actually a great app called The Tapping App <laughs> by uh, Nick Orton. And it is so good. Um, again, a resource that um, if you are interested and reach out, I'm more than happy to um, connect you and get you what you need. Um, that has been life-changing. And then I just integrate it throughout my day, kind of just checking in, like, what do I need and putting it in there? Or if I feel myself getting agitated or snappier in a situation that I really make sense, then I'm like, all right, I need to pause. I need to take five minutes. I'm going to do whatever tool I need in this moment. And I'm going to carry on with my day the way that I want to. 
And then I usually wrap up my day with one or two tools to just calm me before bed and kind of send me on my way. So it's not like I'm doing some massive retreat every weekend. It's just these little moments throughout the day. And a lot of times my girls are present with me and they join in too or they continue playing and I'm just demonstrating to them what it takes to be a conscious, calm parent rather than just flying through my day, through my week and being like, this is a tough season of life. Bummer. <laughs> like, I want to enjoy this just as much as they want to have a fun-loving mom. So it's, I think, mutually beneficial to be mindful of what makes you you, what brings you joy, and bringing your kids into it. Santa this year brought both of my girls cameras. They were off, off the internet, I think $25 each, if that, and my girls love it. And I'm able to see the world through their eyes now. I can grab their camera and scroll through it. And I'm like, well, there's a picture of me from like the waist down, just cooking dinner. And, you know, here's a picture of their toy and here's a picture of a flower. And, oh, here's a great picture of like the whole family. Like they surprise me with these pictures, but just incorporating them into what you love and what makes you happy, I think is so, so important and allows you to be you and it also allows your kids to grow up in a happy, calm, healthy family. That is so cool. I think you've given us so many aha moments. Um, if anyone listening is like just like suddenly, like, oh my gosh, I realize now that like I'm stressed and I need help with this, how can you help them? Yeah, so... Right now, kind of the easiest way to connect is going to be on social media, Instagram probably being the primary platform. So I'm at, my handle is at Rejuvenate Nutrition and Rejuvenate spelled R-E-J-U-V-I-N-N-A-T-E. And I specifically spelt it with that because it's the word innate. And I'm here to help women restore their innate health. Um, so I'm constantly sharing um, just free tips and information on there. Um, I've got some projects um, in the works. Um, so that'll be probably one of the first places um, that I release them and announce them. So that'd be a great place to both get some free content and be kind of in the know with um, what's coming up. And then I think throughout the conversation today, I've mentioned a few different tools like the tapping app and the color wheel. Um, so if you're interested in getting a copy of that, or a link to the actual app, um, shoot me a message or a DM on on Instagram, and I'm happy to to connect you with that, or we can email as well. So it's Maggie, M-A-G-E-I-E, dot Dion, D-I-O-N, at rejuvenatenutrition.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Maggie, and I can't wait to put into practice some of the things I have learned from you. Yes, I am... So happy to be um, here to share the information with you. I am so passionate about empowering women in all phases of motherhood to make themselves a priority, figure out what makes them happy, what makes them them, so that they can actually create and live the life of their dreams rather than just being stuck in this stress wheel and missing out on the joys of life. 